Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dale Denwald. And I'm Nuria martinez Keel. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. Hera is a quiet town in rural eastern Oklahoma County, but with a new turnpike linking Hera to two major U.S. highways, some say the town's population could suddenly double, like oil boom towns of Oklahoma's past. My co-host Dale visited Hera recently to cover the early impact from the new Kickapoo Turnpike. That's a 21-mile highway that connects Interstate 40 and Interstate 44 in eastern Oklahoma. And that new turnpike puts Hera at the nexus of those major interstates. So Dale, what kind of place is Hera? What's it like? And how much do people think that it might change in the coming years? Well, if you've never been to Hera, you should you should go check it out. It's a, it's a modest town. Uh, about 7,000 people. They have a traditional main street. Um, they have the, the typical small town monthly event where they block off part of one street with music and vendors. They, they just opened an urgent care uh, and a clinic, the, the first on the north side. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the advancements and, and growth that the, that the town has experienced since the uh, turnpike was announced. And it's also a growing town as far as when it comes to land. Uh, 440 acres were annexed by the city in the, just the past two years. Uh, like I said, there's 7,000 residents now, and people I've talked to expect that, that number to double in three or four years. The Kickapoo Turnpike has been open east of Oklahoma City for a year now. It's created an economic explosion for the city of Hera, and the city estimates its population will almost double in three to four years. We have an opportunity to bring that kind of growth to more cities all across our state. So Governor Kevin Stitt highlighted the growth that's expected in Hera during his speech that opened this year's legislative session. City leaders in the town told you they expect Hera to be a bedroom community for people who want to live there but work somewhere else. So is most of the growth in the town expected to be residential? That's what we're seeing so far uh, is a lot of residential growth. And and. I don't think anyone necessarily wants to uh, to be a bedroom town. Of course, there's you know diversification of of why people come to your city. When I ask them, you know, is is Hera a bedroom town? Is it going to be that for people who live there and work in the city? They were they were like, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. So there's two thousand over two thousand actually homes that are scheduled to be built, and by that I mean. The, the people already have the land, they have the permits. In most cases, they've already gone through um, all of the permitting process and, and notification with neighbors and uh, any sort of planning uh, that they have to go through with the city. All that remains is, uh, is some finishing of the dirt work and building of the houses, so they're, they're pretty close. Most of the residential development fills out the southern half of the city that uh, goes down toward the southernmost turnpike exit. So Hera, on the Kickapoo Turnpike now, 
Hera has three exits assigned to it. You know, if you're if you're coming down I-40, you'll notice uh, signs that say like Shawnee next three exits. Well, Hera, this small town of seven thousand people, uh, they have three exits on this turnpike. The northernmost exit is where that main street is, and, and they also have Twenty uh, Third Street. And uh, well, actually, Twenty Third Street is is the is kind of the old main street, uh, and uh, that's the Twenty Third Street that actually comes eastward out of Oklahoma City. You go south from there a little bit, and you find the the Reno exit off of the turnpike and even further south i think it's 29th street is sort of the the southernmost terminus of where the city borders are uh, just a, about a mile past that and uh, that's sort of south of reno is where all of these new housing developments are going in and you know i'm not joking when i say 2000 plus homes are expected to be built you asked if the, if most of the growth is residential hara has seen some commercial and industrial interest um, the like I mentioned, the uh, the first uh, urgent care and doctors clinic on the north side of town uh, that they've gotten. Uh, the city also opened its first hotel uh, recently on the south side of town. I mean, two thousand homes is no joke in a town of seven thousand people. I mean, that immediately could could be a significant difference in terms of just how many people there are around, how many people are shopping in the stores, how many kids are enrolled in the local school district. But I'm just curious, what about Hera do city leaders think make it an attractive place to move to? I mean, if you work in Edmond, Oklahoma City, or at Tinker Air Force Base, why do they think people are going to seek out Hera, which could be, you know, 30 minutes away from where they plan to work. Right. Uh, I, I imagine the appeal is, you know, if you don't want to live in the uh, the hustle and bustle of a big city, you know, uh, these these homes that are being built, I believe for the most part are single family homes, um, not really uh, any any big apartment complexes to speak of. Um, it is it is out in rural Oklahoma. You'll have to drive a little bit to get there, but some people prefer uh, living outside of the city. The, the attraction, I guess, now that the Kickapoo Turnpike has been built is that if you jump on that turnpike, it slashes your drive time. If you're going to Edmond, even if you're going to Norman. Because previously, your only two options of getting um, to wherever you're going in uh, central or western Oklahoma County was either take 23rd Street directly into the core of Oklahoma City or take Luther Road, a two-lane uh, strip of pavement, either to I-40 or to I-44. Thinking ahead a little bit, the Kickapoo Turnpike is going to get an extension that will continue its turnpike south of Norman. And I think we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but it could be attractive for people who want to buy a house or live there in Hera, but drive southward to Norman. It could be kind of an attractive thing for them if they want to avoid uh, heading down I-35. Like I try to avoid I-35 as much as I can. Yeah. (laughs) And I think maybe there there might be readers or listeners out there who are wondering, you know, why does this tiny town matter? Why does this Hera experience matter? Why is it being mentioned? But, you know, your story covers how other small cities that aren't so small anymore uh, in the Oklahoma City metro area experienced similar dramatic growth because of new highways. So can you take us through some of those examples of how a new highway connection really spurred change in the towns that happened to fall in its path. Right, right. And it, it, it is kind of a chicken or the egg kind of a question. Um, I don't know if there's a direct correlation. Uh, I think economic development people would say that there is. You look at Newcastle with the H.E. Bailey Turnpike Norman Spur uh, that was completed uh, like 20 years ago. It links Norman with Mustang Road 
and it's kind of the southwestern leg of the turnpike system. It runs through Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle has experienced significant growth since that time. Is it all attributable to just the turnpike or to the uh, Norman growing beyond its bounds or people moving a little bit further out of the city? You know, who's to say? It's probably a combination of all of the above. But you also see in Mustang with the seven-mile extension of the John Kilpatrick Turnpike that connects I-40 in Mustang with State Highway 152. And basically that completes the western side of the loop uh, that can take people from I-40 uh, heading uh, on the west side of town. Uh, if they're coming in I-40 they want to go to the airport, they no longer have to turn down Meridian Avenue and, and drive you know, two or three miles uh, through stoplights. And uh, really, I, th- I think the, the benefit of, of specifically that spur is to get people off of that I-35 interchange right in the heart of Oklahoma City that's caused a ton of traffic problems for so many years. Well, the next time I'm lost, I'm going to call you, Dale, because you seem to know <laughs> all, the, all the intricate streetways in our metro area. Um, even though I've lived here a couple of years, I think your, your knowledge base is significantly broader than mine on that. So I, ironically, last week on the podcast, you covered how residents in Norman are vehemently opposed to the southern extension of that same Kickapoo Turnpike that's planned in their community. Um, And the folks there say they're very much against disrupting the quiet countryside in East Norman with a new busy highway. So is, is Hera the other side of the same coin, you know, a quiet town that welcomed a new turnpike versus Norman, a much more established city where people want country living and they're not welcoming this new highway? Well, certainly not. Um, there, there are significantly fewer people living in eastern Oklahoma County than there are in Cleveland County and Norman, um, uh, people who would be affected by the Kickapoo Turnpike extension. And you really only have to go back a few years to about 2016 when the Kickapoo Turnpike that, um, that cut a, a path southward from I-44 down to I-40, going right next to Hera and a couple other towns. Um, It generated a lot of kickback, a lot of opposition from people who lived there. Listen, any time that the government says, we need to take your land so that we can do, uh, build a highway, that we can build a, you know, a commercial plot for business or industrial or do this or that. Anytime the government comes to you and says, we want to buy your land so that we can do something else with it, you're going to get a lot of opposition. Um, it's people being uprooted from their homes, basically. Uh, so six years ago when they proposed the uh, the Kickapoo Turnpike and came out with the, the route, um, there were plenty of people that packed uh, public hearings like you saw down in Norman. Uh, you packed those public hearings uh, expressing their concerns and their fears. Um, eventually, the the route of the Kickapoo Turnpike was modified so that it reduced the impact uh, to homes, uh, but it still affected dozens of existing structures along that 21-mile route. That's really interesting, and I want to tap on that in just a second, but I, first I wanted to ask you what the reason was for this new turnpike. I mean, why was it even built in the first place? Right, this is part of um, sort of a grand vision of Oklahoma turnpikes and modernizing uh, the way that people move around the state. When it was first introduced, uh, it was pitched as a way to relieve congestion on I-35. And, and there were some people who said, listen, it's, it's 17, 20 miles away from I-35. How are you reducing the traffic? And, and really only need to look at a map uh, because uh, imagine you're driving um, 
from Tulsa or from the Tulsa Joplin area on I-44 and you want to get anywhere south of Oklahoma City, but you're not going to Oklahoma City. So before you had to enter the north part of Oklahoma City, um, take the I-35 or I-235, bless you, if you choose that, but uh, take one of those two southward uh, highways and then uh, take the I-40 to uh, I-35 uh, connection and then head south through Norman. And it doesn't matter what time of day you go there, it's almost bumper-to-bumper traffic. And if you're lucky, it's not, uh, the traffic isn't slow. So I think the reasoning, at least the stated reasoning for this turnpike and any of the others, really, that the state is interested in building is to relieve congestion and to get people out of the city if they don't want to, to have to brave city traffic. Yeah, and, and the alternative for folks living in the Tulsa area is taking 169, which is a significantly smaller highway if you want to get down to Texas or anywhere in southeast Oklahoma. that's I think that gets down to a two-lane highway at, at several points, which is not necessarily the ideal situation for a major metropolitan area, connecting one to another major metropolitan area. Right, and, and I, I think if you um, also ask the people who are interested in economic development, they'd probably say that um, that this turnpike, the Kickapoo Turnpike, as it exists now, could spur growth in eastern Oklahoma County. Uh, If you think about how Oklahoma County has grown, or really where it is now, if you look north, there's barely a gap between Oklahoma City and Edmond. If you look west, uh, you see Piedmont, uh, Mustang, Yukon, uh, headed out toward El Reno, uh, almost a constant metropolitan area. And of course, if you head south, Uh, You'll reach Moore and Norman, but it really looks all the same. But if you head east out of Oklahoma City, it's sparsely populated, wide open areas. And uh, especially if you head along 23rd Street out of Oklahoma City, um, you'll see, you know, these tiny towns uh, that um, could be struggling. I'm not sure, but uh, they they certainly uh, don't seem to have the sort of the upward commercial growth that you see in other parts of the county. Yeah, and and I feel like there's a whole other podcast we could make about, you know, our city's redlining history and and racial segregation that played into why the east side is so sparsely populated. but And underdeveloped. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I I wanted to ask another question about Hera. Um, Doubling a city's population in a couple of years is a significant and rapid change. So when you were in Hera, did everyone seem excited about this? I just wonder if there are some people who live there. I mean, the reason they live there is because they want to be in a small town and now thousands of new people might be moving in. I don't know if that drives up the price of the, you know, the cost of living in Hera and it just changes the atmosphere significantly. You know, all of that is still to see in the future, but I'm just curious if everyone was actually on board with how fundamentally this town could change. Well, I, I wish I could have spoken to more people, uh, but I will say the the ones who I did uh, speak of, uh, they, they seemed, you know, either okay with it or really excited about it. Um, now, listen, I'm sure there are people who live there now who won't be happy with having so many new neighbors, uh, especially if you live on the south side of a city, uh, maybe just outside city limits, you're about to get, you know, a few thousand new neighbors, uh, at least 2,000 more homes, really, in between you and your way out of town. 
Um, and it's completely understandable that, um, that some people might sort of fret about that. Uh, listen, growth like this can really change a town. It can introduce new and unforeseen challenges that, um, that you may not expect. Uh, for, for example, adding uh, a few thousand people, it puts pressure on emergency services, police, fire. Uh, I don't know if, if uh, Hera has sort of a, a Southern District Fire Department, um, but it might be a good idea to put a, a sort of a firehouse out there where they're building thousands of new homes. Uh, same with police and ambulance service. They don't have a hospital, but they do have urgent care. Um, it also puts pressure on schools. Uh, Choctaw schools uh, cuts into this new residential area that's being built. And uh, I believe it was already on the cards, but uh, the people in Hera called Choctaw schools and said, listen, are you ready for this? And and there are other municipal uh, duties uh, that a city must provide. I didn't get into this into my story, but sales tax revenue is going to be important. That's uh, one of the main ways that a city earns money. And um, so only a resident, going back to your earlier question, only a residential growth isn't going to do, uh, it could create more problems uh, than not for the city. So you would hope that there would be a lot more sort of commercial building pop up uh, as people start to move in. That's a really interesting thought and definitely something to keep an eye on in the future. Um, but in the meantime, Dale, thank you so much for taking us through this really fascinating case of a town finding itself and, you know, at this pinpoint between all these major highways and, and the growth that's coming from it. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.